we're going to do a study before the study, and we're going to have a family meeting. And this is very important. Um, this is very important, especially for you junior and high school students, fourth and fifth graders. And so I encourage you parents to pay close attention to what is happening in our country and in our culture. And so um, this came up on my front page of my news feed yesterday. <clears throat> and so, how a mega church is influencing public schools in California. A Christian nationalist megachurch. And so they're now using this term Christian nationalist. And so I went on to Pew Research, a very reputable service, and they actually did a survey of 2,540 people, and they asked them very simple questions. Like, how much do you know about Christian nationalism? And they found that 54%, and this was in September of last year, so just 14 months ago. In September of last year, 54% said of those of the 2,540 people, all different age groups, they said they knew nothing at all of what Christian nationalism was or what it means. 54% of those polled. 31% said they know little to some of what the term Christian nationalism means. So this really is an unknown term. It's kind of like I mentioned to you a few years back to focus on the word equity, that for a long time it's been about equality, but a few years back they started to focus on equity, that everyone needs to be the same and we're going to get there no matter what it takes, because that's Revelation chapter 13. Well, now this term is being defined. And as you listen to this, listen for the definition. And this is just one person's opinion, but I'm seeing this in various locations, including the administration. A Christian nationalist megachurch and its pastor are behind a series of controversial policies that have been adopted by a school board in California, sparking protest and lawsuits from students, parents, and state officials. The megachurch is Calvary Chapel, Chino Hills, located in the Chino Valley Unified School District. It has more than 10,000 members and a weekly online audience of 30,000. Its pastor is Jack Hibbs, a prominent figure in a conservative Christian movement. So we're defining what a Christian nationalist is here. Start picking up on these definitions. It's very, very subtle. Who has been involved in local politics for years. Hibbs and his church have supported conservative candidates and causes such as opposing abortion. So what is, yeah, amen. But please learn this term because it's going to come up more and more before we vote November of next year. It's going to come up more and more and more. So you looked at if you are a, against abortion, you're pro-life, then you're going to be labeled a Christian nationalist. 
which is right up there with Al-Qaeda, by the way. That's already been put out there on mainstream media. It's right up there with Al-Qaeda, this national Christian, this Christian nationalist stuff. LGBT, LGBTQ plus rights and COVID-19 restrictions, the pandemic. They have also influenced the school board, which is predominantly by Hibbs followers. We don't follow a pastor. We follow Jesus. And you need to be able to answer this when people ask you questions. And hopefully the pastor is following Jesus. Where We just go, well, don't blame me. Blame Jesus. Jesus said it. And we just take him to a verse in the Bible. Who have passed policies. Now listen to what a Christian nationalist does. Who have passed policies that violate civil rights and endanger LGBTQ students. One of the policies bans pride flags in classrooms, claiming that they are political symbols that promote a divisive agenda, in quotes. Another policy forces teachers to inform parents if their children identify as transgender, potentially exposing them to harassment or violence. A third policy allows prayer at school board meetings despite a court order that prohibits it. These policies have sparked outrage from students, parents, and state officials who have sued the school board for violating the First Amendment and the Equal Protection Clause of the Constitution. They have also organized protests and rallies to demand the resignation of the, of a, the school board president, Sonia Shaw, a fitness trainer and Hibbs acolyte. <laughs> Shaw and her allies have defended their actions, saying that they are standing up for their faith and values. They have also accused their critics of being anti-Christian and anti-American. They have received support from Hibbs and his church who have rallied behind them. Hibbs and his church are part of a larger movement. Here's the definition again. Adding to the definition, adding to the definition, just keep adding, of right-wing Christian activists who are trying to reshape public education in California and beyond. Now, the gal who wrote this doesn't understand that the Bible was taken out and prayer was taken out in 1962 and 1963. She was born most likely after that. She also doesn't understand that the Bible was one of the main reading books for decades in American schools. So we're trying to reshape America. No, 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 no. America was founded on Christian principles. Were they perfect? By no means. Did they make mistakes? Absolutely. How about you? Did you make a mistake this past week? Absolutely. They're motivated by a political ideology called Christian nationalism. It's a political ideology now. The Bible has become a political ideology. Which seeks to merge American and Christian identities and to privilege Christianity over other religions and secularism. Christian nationalists have been targeting public schools as a battleground for their agenda. Well, how have they been doing that? Christians going to public schools and reading a graphic, a pornographic book 
that a third and fourth grader can take out of their, their school library. Reading it, and I've seen this on video, reading it at a school board meeting, and the people will say, stop reading that. You can't read that. Children are present. Well, duh. That's why I'm reading it, because it shouldn't be in our public school. So you are a part of the agenda if you want to stand up for your children not hearing pornography in third and fourth grade. Promoting creationism, prayer, and patriotic symbols while opposing sex education, evolution, and multiculturalism. We'll address that shortly. They have also been using legal challenges, legislation, and grassroots campaigns to advance their interest. Experts warn. She doesn't list who the experts are, but the experts are warning. Experts warn that Christian nationalism is not only a threat to democracy, but also to children's education. Now, if you put two and two together, that equals four. I think it's still four. So I might tell you five, but it's still four. Wake up to reality. So you equate Christian Christian nationalism with the Bible. Anybody believe in the Bible in here? You believe in the Bible? Well, unfortunately, you're against democracy and children's education. I'm not over-exaggerating. You can read it yourself, guys. Get the bigger picture of where this is heading. This is a frontal attack on Christians and the Bible. What does Jack Hibbs do? He teaches verse by verse through the Bible. They say that it erases the diversity and complexity of history and society and imposes a narrow and exclusionary worldview on everyone else. Interesting. Well, I wanted to throw up a few slides, and this is very important stuff, so parents, please pay attention, because this is going to affect your life, because it's going to affect your children's life, because as I've said many times over the decades, you don't change a culture from the top down. You old people, you're going to die. We're glad you're going to die. Take your conservative stuff with you. We're going for the kids. And this is what the homosexual community said decades ago. We're not coming after you, talking to the adults. We're coming after your kids. That's not a slam. That's what they said. You don't like what they said. Take it up with them, not me. So here's a slide, D-E-I. Maybe you've heard this. Maybe you have not. I encourage you to look into it. This is being promoted in elementary schools, junior highs, high schools, and colleges. I'm not saying in every single school, but in many schools, and they've even denied it, and then they've come out and done research, and they found it to be true. What does it stand for? Diversity, equity, and inclusion. That's the physical world. That's the world we're living in right now today, guys. Well, we're not sure if you're a boy or a girl. That, unfortunately, that's the world we're living in, in America. Not the rest of the world per se, but at least in America, in our, in our world. And you can challenge what you are born as. And you can be called a different name. You want a different pronoun? What do you want to be called today? It might change tomorrow, but today, what do you want to be called? And I might get fired as a public school teacher if I don't call that child by the name they want to be called that given day. And it's, it falls under diversity, equity, and inclusion, whether you like it or not. Well, that's the physical world. Here's the spiritual world that you and I also live in and that we have to be aware of so that we can speak the truth in love. These people need Jesus. 
It's called deceptive, evil, indoctrination. D-E-I. Deceptive, evil, indoctrination. That is what is taking place. Let's look at 2 Peter chapter 3. Get out your Bibles. Young people, get out your Bible. If you don't have a Bible, I encourage you to get a Bible. Your Bible should be your best friend. If it's not the best friends of your parents, that's their problem. I was 17 years old when, it, when a 26-year-old man, Gene, told me, encouraged me, instructed me, mentored me, make your Bible your best friend. I do not regret that advice at all. It's been 46, coming on 46 years. I don't regret that at all. Make it your best friend because the world is changing rapidly. 2 Peter chapter 3. If you're new to the Bible, there's a slide for you. The team does a great job of putting slides up. Beloved, now I now write to you the second epistle, in both of which I stir up your pure minds by way of reminder. Remember that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets. Remember. Verse 1, remember. Verse 2, remember. Remember what? The word of God, the word of God, the word of God. Things are changing so fast, guys. It's unbelievable in America how fast things are changing. And of the commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior. Knowing this first, that scoffers will come in the last days, walking according to their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. Verse 5, I have this highlighted, the first part. For this they willingly forget. For this they willingly forget. How many Christians? Oh, you know, my mom said that. My grandpapa said that. That's been around so long. I'm so tired of that. I'm just going to do what I want to do. Jesus isn't coming back. Get over it. Grow up, would you please? For this they willingly, 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 they willingly forget. I don't need your Bible. I don't need your church. Young people, you need the Bible. You need the church. You're being lied to. Two roosters will never produce a chick. Sorry to make it so simplistic, but we're in Cream Creek here. It ain't going to happen. They might make a good fryer, but they ain't going to make chicks. For this they willingly forget that by the word of God, the heavens were of old and the earth standing out of water and in the water by which the world that then existed perished being flooded with water. Noah's flood was true. Noah's ark actually took place, young people. It is not mythical. It's not magical. It's not allegorical. By which the world that, that then existed perished, being flooded with water. But the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word, So you want to be reading your Bible from Genesis to Revelation to find out what DEI is. Are reserved for fire. I have that highlighted. Not water. Fire. Until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Men there is mankind. Male and female. But beloved, do not forget this one thing, that with the Lord one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some count slackness, but is long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish. That word perish there is eternal separation from God. I had the privilege yesterday of sharing at a memorial service for someone who came to this fellowship. He was on a motorcycle. He got on the road. 
Somebody hit him in the, the back, 30 years old, 30 years, two months old. Killed him instantly. He knew Jesus as a savior. Praise God. He took his first breath in heaven. We have to let people know you're going to die. And I had the privilege. There's probably 100 plus people there. Very diverse group. Colors, backgrounds. And what a privilege to be able to tell people, hey, you know what? The CDC didn't mess this up yet. 10 out of 10 people still die. And that got eye contact real quick. I mean, there were, paid, there were some that were kind of like, I could tell. You know, I read body language. They're like sitting there, yeah, whatever. Another religious story. But a majority of them, we were locking eyes. Some of them were even leaning forward. They didn't know that God loved them. They didn't know that they could go to heaven. They, maybe they hadn't heard that before. I don't know. But they were listening. You have that same opportunity with your neighbors, your coworkers, your family members. Be aware, young people. I was so, I'm so thankful that Gene, 26 years old, looked to me at a 17-year-old and other teenagers. He, he served over in the high school ministry, was willing to serve and love us and say, you need Jesus. You need your Bible. And we became born again. But that day of the Lord, in verse 10, will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. I have this highlighted now. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Guys, everything we have is going to be burned up. Polish it as much as you want to polish it. It's going to be burned up. Never let your possessions possess you. You possess your possessions. Never let your possessions possess you. Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, that's a promise. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conduct and godliness? So young people, older saints, this is our exhortation. Do we go down the world and let the world infect the church? Or does the church go out and affect the world? Amen. We want to affect the world. Amen. Looking for and hastening. Sorry, where, where did I get in? Where did I leave off at? 12. Looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. Brandon stepped into heaven at 186,000 miles per second, 30 years old. No one knows the day you're going to die. You do not know. I do not know. Don't play games with God. Therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent. The country's imploding, guys. But keep looking forward. That's where we're heading. That's where we're heading. To be found by him in peace, without spot and blameless. Does DEI promote peace? You're seeing DEI in action in America, trying to cause ethnos against ethnos, ethnic group against ethnic group. No peace, but rather battles, war, hatred. And considering that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation, as also our beloved brother Paul, according to the wisdom given to him as written to you, as also in all his epistles, speaking in them of things in which are some things hard to understand, which untaught and unstable people twist to their own destruction, as they do the rest of the scriptures. So young people and older saints, we need to know the word of God. 
Bank tellers do not study fake bills. They study the real bill. Ask Jonathan. They study the real $100 bill. I had this happen here many years ago. The bank called me, so we got a fake $100 bill come down. Somebody gave us a fake $100 bill. Can you believe that? So I went down to the bank. And I'm looking at it, and, and I go, ah, I, don't, I don't see it. She goes, run your fingernail across it. I rang my finger. She goes, what do you feel? Nothing. It's smooth. That's a fake $100 bill. That's how you know. But if you're not studying, how are you going to know that DEI is fake? You're going to get sucked into all the nonsense. And yeah, whites hate blacks and blacks hate whites. And that's the way it should be. No, it's not the way it should be. John 3.16 is the way it should be. You, therefore, the exhortation for every Bible-believing Christian... You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness. This is not talking about salvation. It's talking about your Christian witness. Don't let the enemy destroy your Christian witness. Your coworkers need to see Jesus. Your classmates need to see Jesus. Your neighbors need to see Jesus. Being led away with the error of the wicked. How will I know I'm being led away? By knowing the truth. But rather, his last exhortation, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. Father, we thank you and praise you that you've given us the word. And Father, many, many churches in this country are forsaking biblical, solid, doctrinal truth. And they are going with the whims of the culture. Father, keep us on the straight and narrow. For you've always had a remnant. You've always had a remnant. Not a majority, a remnant. And we want to be a part of that remnant because your word shows there's only going to be a remnant in the last days. So keep us focused. And whatever they call us, whatever they label us as, may we come back with the love of Christ. May we share with them the word of God. For faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. May we lead them to the way The only way, as Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, may we know scriptures and lead them to that way. Raise our awareness and how to respond, Father. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Revelation chapter 8. I just did the study before the study last night. So we're not going to get through all of Revelation chapter 8, but that's okay. It's important to make sure we're aware of what's going on around us. And you attending a certain church with the name of Calvary Chapel, how that could jeopardize your walk. Those are the days we're living in. Father, we thank you and praise you again for the opportunity to support so many missionaries in various ways. And Father, I just thank you for your word. And now as we open your word, I pray for the gift of teaching as we worship you through your word, that we would see what's happening in our life, in our culture, in our world, that we'd realize we're in the last days, and that you want us to to get out and spread the gospel. So Father, touch us through your word, teach us, transform our hearts, 
In Jesus' name, amen. When he, now if you're newer visiting, this is John the Apostle. He was having a vision, a revelation, not revelations. He was having a revelation of the last days, that seven-year period that is soon to be upon us. So if you're newer visiting, we encourage you to have a Bible, get a Bible. When he, John, or when he Jesus, as we've been working through the seals, uh, we had a little interim last week. Now we're back to the scroll. The t- what I believe is the title deed of the earth. When Jesus opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. You see, we are currently studying that period of time known as the Great Tribulation, those final seven years of human history as we know it. You see, we've already studied various verses about the devastation that is literally going to come upon this earth. And at this point in the Tribulation, A fourth of humanity has already died. A fourth of those after the rapture who remain on this earth have already died. Yet we're going to see even more devastation before we finish this study on what most would call the end of the world. I'm sure you've heard that phrase. Somebody has said, I think we're at the end of the world. And when I think of the phrase, the end of the world, it appears to me that there are two groups of people that have formed over this issue. One group is obsessed with the thought. And some of them are trying everything possible to create a safe house or a place to escape to when it all comes down. They are stockpiling the various resources that they believe will get them through a terrible period of worldwide devastation. There are even those within the church who have this mentality. The second group doesn't even want to talk about it. They're sick of hearing about it. And would rather just wait to see if it happens and then deal with it. There have been so many predictions, so many dates set, so many people deceived by those who believe that the end of the world is coming. This took place, and some of you might not be old enough to know this, but this actually took place in the church, not this church. When did it take place? 23 years ago. Does anybody remember Y2K? The world was ending. Stockpile, because the world is ending. Life as we know it is going to cease. You see, these people have families to raise, money to earn, bills to pay, lives to live. Again, there are those even within the church who have this mentality. I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to talk about it. But could there be a third group? There is a third group. A group that could find a balance between the two? Could we do a little bit of planning, but also go on living our lives responsibly? Shouldn't we be studying the whole truth of God's word and then reach out to others with that truth? Absolutely. Absolutely. And I hope that's why you're here this morning. Not because you're a fatalist or a pessimist. Not because you're complacent or dull of hearing but that you desire to study God's words that you can go out and impact your world. You see, for the believer, we do know that the end of the world is coming. But Jesus specifically told his disciples to do what? Occupy. Jesus told his disciples to occupy. And when you look up that word, it means to be busy. Jesus wasn't talking about being busy earthly-wise. He knows we're busy earthly-wise. But to be busy about your father's business, which is reaching souls. So even in this day we're living at, even with all the chaos, even maybe be labeled as a Christian nationalist, 
That might cause hate in your heart. That might cause bitterness. That might cause resentment. Don't allow that to take place. Love them. They don't understand. That article that was written, they have no clue what they're writing about. Promoting the evil that's taking place in this country. That's not anti. That's, that's, that's us loving them enough to say, no, that's not anti. That's just not plain right. It's not right. We are to be responsible with our own earthly affairs, but we are also to be responsible with what God would have us to do here about his heavenly affairs. And I would encourage all of us to not take either side of these extreme views. I had a call at my previous church. I was assistant pastor at the time. And a brother that I knew rebuked me because we were not telling the church. We were not telling the church that they should stockpile food and ammunition. He was rebuking me as a pastor for not telling the church to do that. No. No, we're never going to do that. You want to you gather? Hey, gather. Praise God. You want to stockpile? Stockpile. But be ready to share. Be ready to share. If that's what you're called to do, do it. Do it. To, great. Do it. But be ready to share. And that's not sharing your bullets. That's sharing the food. To use this topic to advance the kingdom of God in your sphere of influence. We all have a sphere of influence. Those six, eight, ten people around us, saved or not, that need to know God loves them. And God desires a relationship with them. So John references in verse 1 here, something that is going to take place in heaven, yet is almost impossible to do on this side of heaven. If I was to stop talking... For the next 60 seconds. There would start to be an uncomfortableness that would fall upon this room. You all would start looking around. Some would start to fidget. Others would start to think and naturally ask, what in the world is going on? Why is he quiet? Why has he stopped talking? Yet not in heaven. Up to this point, there's been a lot of action and noise taking place there. But now John tells us specifically that there is silence for roughly a half hour. Why is it? Why is it? You see, it is, by the way, as we just read, that the last of the seven seals are broken open, revealing the title deed of the earth has been opened by its rightful owner, Jesus. The only one in all of eternity that was found worthy to open the scroll. So I believe that what we are reading about is a holy hush. A holy hush that falls upon the new Jerusalem. You see, heaven is considered the new Jerusalem, that heavenly city that we will one day arrive at. Now, we all know that no one knows the future except for the triune Godhead. So no one knows what's going to happen next in this heavenly scene. As John is receiving this revelation, we want to go back so we can get a grip, get a glimpse of what John has experienced. He's in heaven. He's already seen a fourth of the world's population. He's already seen devastation. Now the scroll is finally unsealed. It can be unrolled and read in totality. If this much devastation has already taken place, what's next? What's next? And there is that holy hush. Fortunately for you and I, we have it written down. So we don't want to be silent. We want to go out and share with people, God loves you. Come to know Jesus. God loves you. Come to know Jesus. Verse 2, 
chapter 8, Revelation. And I saw the seven angels who stand before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. So with the opening of the seventh seal, there are seven angels that take up seven trumpets. Trumpets were vital in the life of the Israelites. The trumpet would be used to call the people together for feasts. The trumpet would also be used to call people to battle. Trumpets were used to bring down the walls of Jericho. There was the sound of a trumpet of God on the mount when Moses received the law. That's why you want to read from Genesis to Revelation. You're like, huh? Yes, it's in your Bible. The trumpet of God is going to announce the rapture of the church. In Revelation, John uses the sound of a trumpet to express the voice of Jesus. Now, John is going to hear and see that with the blast of these seven trumpets, there will be a great impact on God's creation, the earth as well as the heaven as well as the earth. But even in this, we see the grace of God. When the seventh trumpet is sounded, so at the prior to, or when it is sounded, I'm sorry, when it is sounded, there are seven vials that appear. We'll get to those one day. And with these seven vials, total destruction of some of these elements that we're going to be looking at this morning, total destruction is going to take place, not just a third. God is continually offering an opportunity of repentance, and many will respond but many more will reject, as we read Jesus saying in Matthew seven thirteen, Enter by the narrow gate. I shared this yesterday at the memorial service. It's just best to be totally honest with people. And I just shared with them, I go, you know what, Christianity, when you hear Christianity, you most likely think, well, you know, you Christians are so narrow. You're so narrow. Well, we're so narrow because Jesus was narrow. So educate yourself in the Bible and make a right decision about your eternal state. Where are you going to spend eternity too? Because Jesus said, enter by the narrow gate. For wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. That's where we are at in our culture right now. DEI. Very sad. Verse 3. Then another angel, having a golden censer, came and stood at the altar. He was given much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints, notice that, all the saints, upon the golden altar which was before the throne. This angel was given a special opportunity for ministry here, much like the high priest in the Old Testament. Read your Bible. The the high priest, don't have time to get into it, we'll go in once a year to the Holy of Holies. Read your Bible. We know from Hebrews that Jesus is our only intercessor for the saints. So again, here we see a special opportunity for ministry taking place for this angel. I do not believe it's Jesus. Some commentaries will say it's Jesus. I think as we keep reading, you'll see it's not Jesus. The prayer of the saints over the last 6,000 years for God's judgment to be brought upon this earth is about to be fulfilled. Verses 4 through 6. And the smoke of the incense with the prayers of the saints ascends before God from the angel's hand. Then the angel took the censer, filled it with fire from the altar, and threw it to the earth. And there were noises, thunderings, lightnings, and an earthquake. 
So the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared themselves to sound. After the censer was weighed before the throne, it was then hurled to the earth. This is that answer of those prayers, as I previously mentioned, for God's heavenly will to be done on this earth. Yet we as believers, we should be praying for those who do not know Jesus. We're called to pray for our leaders. But we're also called for God's will to be done. With God's judgment coming upon this earth, those who remain upon this earth after the rapture. So if you're here this morning and you don't have Jesus as your Savior, I want you to know God loves you. He sent us in to die for you. After the rapture, you better find a Bible and take it seriously if you're not taking it seriously now. We're going to see the Father's will being accomplished upon this earth, whether we like it or whether they like it or not. Verse 7. And the first angel sounded, and hail and fire followed, mingled with blood, and they were thrown to the earth. And a third, a third of the trees were burned up. And all green grass was burned up. Notice that. Not the trees in one location, but upon the whole earth. A third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. So the first four trumpet judgments affect the environment, as we'll see this week and then a couple weeks from now. They affect the environment. They affect nature as we know it today. This is God's planet, by the way. So he's free to do with it what he will. And I'd recommend to anyone who thinks that they could do a better job, feel free to build your own planet. And you can oversee it the way you think is best. Some will try to explain these judgments through nuclear war or some other man-made issue. But we're going to see that this is all supernatural. It is supernatural. And I'm fine with that. You see, if Jesus spoke everything into being that we see today, and we believe that he has... Could he not do what we are about to witness? He absolutely could. You see, what we're going to do witness is that God is going to judge what mankind elevates. Elevates. And I find it interesting that God takes care of the gods, little g's, of this earth. You see, he dealt with the gods, the little g of Egypt, in much the same way. And when you look at the plagues that were poured out on the Egyptians, they were in direct correlation to what the Egyptians had elevated to God status. God will not share his glory with anyone else, and so he proved to the Egyptians that he is God over all, and that there are no other gods besides him, and he's going to deal with mankind in much the same way. You see, as the word says, there's nothing new under the sun. A third of all the trees are going to be destroyed, and all the green grass is going to be burned up. Just like in the plagues upon Egypt, hail and fire are sent upon the earth. We see in Exodus 9, 23 and 24. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven. And the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground. And the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail and fire mingled with the hail. So very heavy that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt since it became a nation. Verses 8 and 9. Revelation 8, verses 8 and 9. Then the second angel sounded, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the living creatures in the sea. Now you might think, oh, this is just the Mediterranean Sea. No, this is worldwide. Sea slash oceans. 
This is, these plagues are coming upon the whole world, just like the flood in Noah's day came upon the whole world. These plagues are coming upon the whole world. And a third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. Unlike in verse 10, where we're told an asteroid comes screaming into our atmosphere to affect the rivers and springs, which we'll get to in a few minutes, something, John says, something that looked like a mountain was thrown into the sea slash oceans, which caused a third third of them to turn to blood, which caused a third of the creatures in them to die, which also wiped out a third of the ships. And so Google ships, see what happens. It's not an easy question to answer, but one website made reference to a number just over 100,000 ships. These aren't sailboats and all that, merchant ships, over 100,000. That's a lot of ships, and that's a lot of possible cargo. Trees are burned up, grass is destroyed, saltwater life is being annihilated, and pollution from the previous catastrophe is going to devastate the air. I mean, think about the oxygen levels at this point. Think of the disruption of the food and supply chain at this time. And this is only the second trumpet, 11 and 10 and 11. Then the third angel sounded, and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became Wormwood. And many men... Mankind there, again, look up that word, it's mankind, men and women. And many men died from the water because it was made bitter. Here we see an asteroid, what I believe to be an asteroid, hitting the earth. And it comes to affect the freshwater bodies of the earth. Wormwood is mentioned only one time in the New Testament, right here. But it is mentioned several times in the Old Testament. It was associated with bitterness, poison, and death. How about if we look at Jeremiah? Let's look at Jeremiah. So in Old Testament times, as you're turning there, it was a well-known bitter herb and is spoken of in some cases with gall, thus symbolic of bitter calamity and sorrow. Very important. As we're reading Revelation, let's go to the word word of God, thus symbolic of bitter calamity and sorrow. Jeremiah chapter 9. And the Lord said, because they have forsaken my law, which I set before them, has America forsaken the word of God? Absolutely. And have not obeyed my voice, is America obeying the voice of God? Love one another. Be kind to each other. Be tenderhearted. Nor walked according to it, but they have walked according to the dictates of their own hearts, And after the Baals, or Baals, however you like to pronounce it, which their fathers taught them. So dads, how are you teaching your children or grandchildren? Are you taking them to the word of God? Or are you just throwing them to the world and saying, well, you know what, they'll be okay. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, behold, I will feed them this people with wormwood and give them water of gall to drink. How about Jeremiah 23? Just turn a few pages to your right. Jeremiah 23, 14 and 15. Jeremiah 23, 14 and 15. Also I have seen a horrible thing in the prophets of Jerusalem. They commit adultery 
and walk in lies. Could this be related to today? Are there pastors that are walking in lies? Are there churches that are walking in lies? As I just shared with you, one of the largest churches in the, in the world. Condoning, accepting trans, endorsing homosexuality. It's a lie. Lie from the pit of hell. They also, walk the, walk, they also strengthen the hand of evildoers so that no one turns back from his wickedness. All of them are like Sodom to me and their inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with wormwood and make them drink the water of gall. For from the prophets of Jerusalem, profaneness has gone out into all the land. God will hold those who know the word of God and are teaching the word of God accountable because we have an impact on people's lives, a big impact. Proverbs 5, 3 and 4 says this, as we have a slide for this one. For the lips, you can turn back to Revelation 8 if you'd like. For the lips of an immoral woman drip honey, and her mouth is smoother than oil. But in the end, she is bitter as wormwood, sharp as a two-edged sword. Her feet go down to death. Her steps lay hold of hell. Notice how many people are going to die from these effects on nature. Many. For those who worship nature, God is dealing with them accordingly. He is showing them that there is only one God in the universe and that he resides in heaven. Let's look at Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1. I made reference last week to a few of these verses, but let's look at some additional verses in Romans chapter 1. And again, if you're new to the Bible, we encourage you to get used to your Bible, a paper Bible especially. I understand devices, but I really encourage you to get used to a paper Bible so when they turn your device off, you'll know where to go in a Bible. Romans 1.18 For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men. Now, why would it be revealed if there is no such thing as godliness and righteousness? There is godliness and there is righteousness. Who do what? Who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. Notice that. God does not give up on anybody. Eight billion people. For since the creation of the world, his visible attributes are clearly seen. Notice creationism, which Pastor Jack is getting bashed about, which the Christian nationalists are getting bashed about. You believe in creationism versus evolution? Ha! What a mockery! It's in the Word of God over and over and over again. For since the creation of the world, his visible attributes are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made. Even his eternal power and Godhead. Why? So that they are without excuse. Because although they knew God, they did not glorify him as God, nor were thankful, but became futile in their thoughts and their foolish hearts were darkened. That was you and me as sinners before we knew Christ. I can't speak for you, but I will include you because the Bible says that you're a sinner. 
So for me, I was seeking after my foolish ways, thinking I was having fun. But when it was quiet, which again, we have a very hard time being quiet, especially if your phone is your best friend, you have a very hard time finding any quietness. Turn your phone off, get it away from you. But when it was quiet, I knew that I was running from a God. I just didn't know who he was. Once I came to know him, once I acknowledged I was a sinner, once I received him into my heart as my savior, then the Holy Spirit came into my life and started to show me in the Bible. I go, wow, you are such a loving God. You're such a loving father. Thank you for revealing yourself to me. But these people are like, no, 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 we don't need God. We don't need God. We're going to do it our way. How is that working out in the last three years? In the last seven years? In the last 11 years? Just keep adding the numbers up. In the last, how's that working out? Since taking prayer out of school and the Bible out of school in 1962 and 1963. How has that worked out? Professing to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the incorruptible God. There's only one genetic male, one genetic female. How is that working out for people? And if you haven't noticed, the media is not addressing those who are coming out and talking about detransitioning. They're being shoved back into a corner. You're not a, part of the, you're not a part of the agenda. They're coming out and pleading for young people not to make the mistake that they made, but they will not put them on the front page. And, and did, what did they do? Verse 23, And changed the glory of the incorruptible God into an image made like corruptible man and birds and four-footed animals and creeping things. Therefore, you want that? God also gave them up to uncleanness. And in the lust of their hearts, free will. Thank God for free will. I shared this again yesterday. Thank God for free will. You want to live with the way you're living? God says, fine. Just don't blame him when you die. Because you just heard the gospel to dishonor their bodies among themselves, who exchanged the truth of God for the lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator who is blessed forever. Amen. Back in Revelation. We'll wrap it up there as the music team comes up. Read on and we'll cruise into the next chapter, uh, the first Sunday of the year, because next Sunday... Church is at what time? 8 o'clock. 9.45. Very good. And 11.30. Guys, we're in desperate days. And if you don't think Christianity is being attacked head on, then you just, your, your ears were closed when I read that article. Open your ears. This is reality. And don't be surprised if this week you go to, go to work and somebody says, you know, I, I read some about, what church do you go to again? <laughs> Don't be surprised. Tell them, a Calvary Chapel. Oh, really? Yeah. Yeah, and we love one another because why? John three sixteen. For God so loves the whole world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever may quote it, get it out there fast. Let them know. God loves 8 billion people. Don't accept the lie that's being promoted from the state-run media. Yes, I did say that. State-run media. That's what we've been living in. State-run media. 
Father, we thank you and praise you that we have your word. No matter what the media says, it doesn't change the word. You love all 8 billion people. There's not one person on this earth that you do not love. And your son Jesus died for every single person. No one can argue about that. No one can take that away. That's a fact. That's true. No matter what state they find themselves in right now, you love them and you desire a relationship with them. If they push that away, that's on them, not on you. And I thank you, Father, that you do love every single person. Help us to do that as well as we go into our workplace, as we go into our neighborhoods, as we go to our family members this coming weekend. We pray for those who might be traveling, Lord. Give them traveling mercies. Lord, I pray for all of us that we'd have tremendous boldness, that we'd speak the truth in love, that we're not just celebrating a tree, a Christmas tree. We just didn't get together to hand out gifts. We are celebrating the birth of the Savior of the world. They might be offended by that. They might get upset by that. But Father, help us to do it in love, that we love them enough to speak the truth in love. We don't have to beat them up with the Bible, but we can let them know that the Bible tells us that God loves us and that we're celebrating the birth of Jesus, not the birth of Target, Amazon. We're selling the birth of Jesus. So, Father, we thank you and praise you for this coming week ahead of time because you have divine appointments waiting for us. Help us to be ready for those divine appointments in Jesus' name. Amen. And God, guys, guys uh, God does have divine appointment. My wife, I'll let you, you can ask her privately, but um, we don't have time. We're out of time. Oh, we all stand. But this past week, God had, uh, Claudia had a divine appointment for God. It's a really cool story. Ask her about it. God wants to use you guys. God wants to use you. Be available. If I don't see you, Merry Christmas. Have a blessed Christmas. If not, we'll see you at 8, 945, or 1130 next Sunday. God bless you guys. Have a great... You need prayer for anything. Come up. We'd love to pray for you.